From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. A movie is reportedly in development based on the book The Corporation, an epic story of the Cuban-American underworld. Today, we bring you a conversation with award-winning journalist and New York Times best-selling author, T.J. English. And we previously talked with him about his book, Havana Nocturne, how the mob owned Cuba and then lost it to the revolution. He joined us by Skype from New York. T.J. English, welcome back to Troy Public Radio. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This book, The Corporation, an epic story of the Cuban-American underworld, sort of dovetails with Havana Nocturne about the mob in the 1950s in Havana. Yes, I suppose in some ways you could call this a sequel to that book, although it's a different set of characters, but it picks up that history that I explored in that book. That book ended with the success of the revolution and the mafia being chased out of Cuba by the government of Fidel Castro and sort of left you with an overriding question of what happened after the mafia got chased out of Cuba. What was their response to that? This book, in many ways, is an attempt to answer that question. I noticed in the book you talk about the roots of this story go back to the Cuban Revolution of the 1950s. And by the time Fidel Castro's real aim of establishing a communist dictatorship became known, Cubans began to flee. Right. And this story is in many ways the telling of an aspect of that generation who did flee the island, who left the island. This is uh, from the point of view of the criminal element. The leader of this organization was an ex-Havana cop in the 1950s. He'd been a vice cop served as a bagman for the mob. He was the guy who delivered the skim, the money from the casinos to the presidential palace of Fulgencio Batista. He delivered the money, which was a weekly payment made by the mafia to the president of Cuba to keep their operation running smoothly in Havana during the 1950s. So when this all came to an end and they were displaced, the more notorious mob bosses, Meyer Lansky and Santo Traficante and others, were chased off the island. And Jose Miguel Battle, the ex-cop, was chased off the island. And they were angry and they wanted revenge because they had had all their holdings seized and they had lost everything there. So they had this dream of killing Fidel Castro and taking back Cuba. It just so happened that that dream coincided with the dream of the CIA which was to destabilize Cuba and get rid of Castro. So all of these elements came together, the mafia figures, the Cuban exiles, the CIA, all with like-minded motives, and formed this nucleus that sort of gave rise to this criminal organization, the corporation. Now, the corporation was a racketeering enterprise. It was a crime organization devoted to making money for itself and members of its organization. And their primary racket was a very simple form of street-level gambling, betting the number, which Latinos call bolita. Bolita was hugely popular, and betting the number back then, there was no legal lottery in the 60s and 70s. It was illegal, and it was run and controlled by organized crime. So Jose Miguel Battle approached his mafia contacts from the old days 
and made this proposition of starting a Bolita organization based primarily in five boroughs in New York City and in New Jersey, where a lot of Cubans had settled, all the way down the East Coast to Miami, and that this would be a huge empire and that everyone would get a piece of the pie. Well, the mafia loved that idea, and they were all in. And so the corporation was born in the mid-1960s out of this desire to generate illegal profits from gambling. But Jose Miguel Battle and the Cubans never lost sight of this dream they had of killing Fidel Castro and taking back Cuba. So that was part of their motive. They were connected to a Cuban-American exile militant underground that worked in consort with the CIA for decades in covert operations to try to kill Castro. We know all this now because these documents have been declassified by the CIA and this history is now out in the open. But at the time, we didn't know about it. We weren't supposed to know about it. So it was a very secretive underworld. TJ, you say in the book, the anti-Castro legacy is the context for the story of Cuban-American organized crime, which rivaled the mafia in its scope and body count. I want you to read on page 13 how the Bay of Pigs invasion figured into this story. Okay. The failure of the Bay of Pigs invasion would spawn further attempts to kill Castro and overthrow the Cuban government. These secret plots were undertaken by an alliance between the CIA and militant Cuban exiles, many of whom were veterans of the invasion. This narrative thread would run through American Cold War history like a tripwire, a bomb ready to explode. The Watergate burglary, political assassinations in the United States and overseas, the Iran-Contra scandal, these were just a few of the events that grew out of the anti-Castro movement which became a catchphrase to describe many anti-communist efforts of the CIA throughout the second half of the 20th century. I'm thinking you've uncovered a story that few Americans realized. You're probably right about that. Much of this history came out in congressional hearings in the late 70s, and it's been exposed by journalists and writers over the years. But many elements of the government would prefer this history remain under the rug. I think part of the mystery, the mystique of this history, is that it was all tied to some very nefarious activities on the part of the CIA, efforts to undermine not just Cuba and Castro, but to stop the spread of Castroism throughout South America, Latin America. There was a fear for many decades that Castro, Castroism would spread and leftist Marxist governments would spring up around South America. And one of them did in Nicaragua, which brought about a response from the CIA and the Cuban exiles, which led to the Iran-Contra scandal. So the CIA's use of the Cuban exile community to do dirty deeds is a sort of like a subterranean narrative that runs through the latter part of the 20th century. For instance, The Watergate burglary, five out of seven of the burglars, the plumbers, they were called, who broke into the Watergate were Cuban exiles. And four of those were veterans of the Bay of Pigs invasion. And in fact, the Watergate burglary was masterminded by an ex-CIA agent named E. Howard Hunt, who was one of the architects of the Bay of Pigs invasion. E. Howard Hunt said it publicly that he could use the Cuban exiles. He could rally them by going to them and saying, look, go do this burglary for us, and then we go get Fidel. And he could always call on Cuban exiles' devotion and dedication and desire to get rid of Castro, but they would do almost anything. 
the Bay of Pigs invasion. That was started by Eisenhower, and Kennedy inherited it and was always sort of a reluctant supporter of it. You know, the legend is the uh, result of that invasion, which was a disaster, came about in some ways because Kennedy was determined that it not be linked to his administration. The Bay of Pigs invasion was an illegal act, an invasion of a sovereign country, so it could not be undertaken by the U.S. government. It was a secretive, covert operation of the CIA and the Cuban exiles. Kennedy authorized it, but when push came to shove and they needed U.S. air support, he wouldn't supply air support because he didn't want it to be linked to the U.S. government. And a lot of the exiles, Cuban exiles, went to their graves afterwards, resenting Kennedy for that very fact, feeling that they had been betrayed by the U.S. government. TJ, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for your visit today and your research into 20th century history. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about it. Joining us by Skype was New York Times best-selling writer T.J. English, author of the book The Corporation, an epic story of the Cuban-American underworld. A movie based on the book is reportedly in development. Thanks for joining us today for In Focus. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio.